So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Emmy. A lot of relationship news today, I got to tell you. A lot of relationship news. <laughs> I know. I, obviously, we'll get into it in like one minute, but on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you to talk about the pop star video? Oh, you mean the greatest piece of artwork since the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? Pretty excited. <laughs> I just, I can't even tell you guys, I obviously am excited, but I feel the sense of vicarious excitement because I know the second this came out, the way that Julie felt about this, it was like, thank God we had a podcast because I needed you to be able to express that. I thought we were going to do an hour on just that. No, Julie, I'm not kidding you guys. Julie texts me. She's like, on the side, not in our group chat. She's like, like, do you think we should do an emergency episode? (laughs) (laughs) I thought we could have. Yeah, no, you probably watched it, what, 50 times? I watch it every morning. Like it's, I mean, I know it's only been out for like three days at this point, but it's like the first thing I watch every morning. And then I watch it yeah. a couple of other times throughout the day. Yeah. Okay. We will get into that in a minute because I cannot wait. A lot of good stories today. You ready, Jewel? I'm very ready. So as you guys know, every week we are highlighting a Black-owned business. And the one this week is kind of different than anything we've done before. The company is called R-Bomb, O-U-R, new word, Bomb, B-O-M. And it was first started as a pop-up market to gather Black-owned brands in New York, but now it's kind of evolved into a subscription service that allows you to invest directly in Black businesses. So it's really kind of, they have a lot of different things. They have beauty products, body washes, candles, household items, men's grooming, skincare, and more. And I mean, personally, I always love a subscription service because it takes the guesswork out of it. So definitely check it out. Their website is ourbomb.com, O-U-R-B-O-M.com, and the handle is ourbomb.com. Okay. Shall we, Julie? Yes, please. Okay. So clearly we are starting with the Justin Bieber, Drake, pop star music video that broke the fucking internet. And I actually think that is not at all an over-exaggeration. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so at all. So as you guys know, this song was first released July of this year, July 17th. And I don't know, was there anticipation for a music video? Um... I don't remember. I think, I think because it was Drake and DJ Khaled, I think people assumed there would be, but I don't think it was like anticipated to be a big music video or that big of a deal or what it ended up being. That's kind of what I was thinking. It, it didn't really feel like there was so much hype around what it was going to be. And then all of a sudden on Friday at midnight, we are blessed with this fucking video. It was directed by director X 
you guys, I am sure every single person listening to this podcast has watched it, but in case you haven't, pause this indefinitely. Go watch it. Take some time to recover. You're going to need it. You're probably going to want to watch it again and then come back. You're going to want to take a breather. You might want to watch it again. You might want to watch it a third time, but you'll come back to us eventually. Yeah. So this music video had 14 million views within the first 24 hours of its release. And I am sure everybody saw it, but for anybody who didn't and isn't watching it right now, although you should be, basically the concept behind it was DJ Khaled is bugging Drake saying, listen, we got to get this music video filmed. And as you guys know, Drake is in Canada. He can't come to the States because of Corona, which I always love when there is kind of a timely element, you know, weaved into something. So he has this genius idea to have Justin star in the video as him. Okay, I promise you we are about to get into a lengthy discussion, but let me just say, yes, Julie and I have been, you know, fans of Justin Bieber, supporter of Justin Bieber for a while now. We didn't need this video to kind of get us on board. What I will say though, I really have come to use two sources, actually three sources, and I think you have two, as our biggest points for getting the public opinion, which is, Number one, RDMs, because people really use it as a place to give their celebrity opinions, which we love because it gives us a good take. Number two, Twitter is always a great source just because people say what's on their mind. And then number three is TikTok, which is interesting because you would think that it's skewed to the younger generation, but it honestly kind of spans all. And what I have to tell you is the unanimous kind of appreciation as to Justin Bieber's overall look and swag and just energy was so validating. It was the happiest I've ever felt. It was so fucking validating. Not for me. Like I never needed to be validated in the way I felt about Justin, like at any phase, but for him, I was like, this is the best I could feel for him. Yeah. It was really nice. You even saw people that have historically been really down on him been like, listen, I'm not even a Justin Bieber fan. He fucking killed this. He really killed this. I mean, you don't have to like the guy and that's fine, but it was truly, it was so well done. Oh, it was excellent. And that's also the whole discussion though, is that of people being down on Bieber and then all of a sudden being like, wow, he looks so amazing in this music video. Like, yeah, you just disappeared because he had a rough spot. Now you want to come back. Well, it's like that meme. It's like, listen, if you didn't love me at, and then it's the picture of him when he was going through his stuff, it's like, you don't deserve me to, to get me at this, which... I feel like I'm proud to say we've been there all along. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to put my Bieber. I'm looking at the wall where I had a Bieber wall, and I'm like, should I get those posters back up? Should I buy a Tiger Beater too and put those posters back up? <laughs> my, my favorite side of TikTok was like, I don't know, maybe the mid 40 year old moms that were like, my husband keeps asking why this song is playing and it's because I can't stop watching this video. Like there was just something, you could tell that he felt so good in his own skin, which is something that I think is so nice to see in anyone, but specifically Justin, who's just been so unbelievably scrutinized for every single thing. And in terms of, you know, the way he looks and the way that sometimes what was going on internally manifested itself on the outside because that's what happens to anyone. But when you're famous, it's like completely amplified. And he just, you could tell Julie, he knew not in a cocky way, but in like a really understated confidence way. Yes. It it felt like, it felt like a resurgence for him, but also he looked healthy, which was the most important part. Like he had a lot of health struggles before this. He was very open about it. Yes. Like, his mental health and the way that, you know, kind of affected his outward appearance 
But also he was suffering from Lyme disease as he spoke about in his documentary. And it really had an effect on him, had an effect on his weight, on his skin. And he finally looks in a place where he's really looks great and really healthy. And I think that is what people were paying the most attention to also. Oh, completely. Specifically the people that have been there since the beginning. Right. I think we're so happy. You could tell, you know, Justin has never, there was a thing that I saw was behind the scenes of the yummy video versus the behind the scenes of this video. And again, these were just short clips. So it's not like we saw it all, but in the clips that I saw from the yummy video, he, he almost had this idea of like, I just don't want to be doing this. That was kind of the vibe that you got. And he watched him behind the scenes here and he didn't even know that he was being filmed. He's playing the piano. He's hanging out. He had Scooter on set. He had Haley on set. You saw, you know, King Patch in the video. You saw Zane from the vlog squad at a left fucking field. How many times did you rewind it the first time you watched? Yeah, a million. I was like, is it? And I kept going back and forth because it's also like, it's not like he specifically stands out. There's so many people in the music video and there's such a diverse like group of people in it that when you see Zane, you're like, are my eyes playing tricks on me? I went back a couple of times and then they have um, the behind the scenes at the end where he's like, it's so clearly him. And I was like, wow, that's fucking amazing. I mean, it was just such a feel good. It was just such a feel good video. First of all, I mean, Drake starts it out strong and listen, like I by no means am necessarily a DJ Khaled fan, but he has a contagious energy. You got to give it to him. He gets on that screen. You know, it's going to be a good video. He gets on there. He's talking to Drake. Drake is just so goddamn sexy, so smooth. And to watch Justin just in this role, I don't know. It was so invigorating. The point about comparing the Gummy music video is, is such a good point. Because if you remember also from the documentary when they were filming it, it was like he had such a lack of confidence and he didn't feel well. And I remember um, there were like so many times where he would have to stop filming and then he would have to go and like kind of get in the right headspace. And he, he had his counselor there and he had his doctor there to kind of help him through that. And in this music, it was a different him. You're so right. I, I wasn't even thinking about that. That's such a good point. I'll send you the link that I saw that was just like comparing the two behind the scenes. He's always been really kind of transparent in his struggles. And so you knew when he was going through something and not to say that he doesn't have things that he's going through now, but it was almost like he kind of wore it right on his, you know, they say like you wear your heart on your sleeve. He wore his struggles right on him. And so there wasn't really any hiding that could be going on, which I'm sure was very hard for him at the time, but from a public perception standpoint, while damaging, and I don't know if this is making sense, but it makes sense in my head. It's kind of like, at least there's this sense of transparency, like things aren't always rainbows. And he said that, like things aren't always great. And then so for him to say, I really feel good. And then to have this video for us to like kind of confirm it. I don't know. It was just so, I I was just so happy for him. Yeah. No, first of all, that makes total sense. Second, the thing with Justin is that it's only as of recent that he's able to express those feelings and what he's going through and what he was going through and what he felt like at the time that it was really low for him. But when you're remembering what it was like when he was really at his lowest point, it was very visible. You're right. Like you saw the whole thing, but it wasn't to the point that it is now where he's expressing those feelings and talking about what he felt and what was going on mentally and what was going on outwardly. So you saw him 
And that created the ability for so many people to have so many different opinions and so much judgment towards him. Whereas now he's kind of flipped the narrative where he's like, yeah, I'm going to have bad days. But as long as I'm open about those things and I can talk to people, then there's no way that somebody can create a narrative for me and I can then control that. Exactly. He kind of took the power back, which is what they say about you know, it's so hard to be open like that. But I think that when you do as a famous person, you really do take the power back because then, yeah, they're going to make, they're going to make storylines like they always do, but you at least have some sort of kind of autonomy there because you're, you're being transparent about what's going on and they don't owe that to us. The public is always going to be nosy, but I think that it actually did him not a disservice. I think the, the being open actually really helped him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, there's two kind of two types of celebrities that deal with things and the two ways they do with it, do it. And one is the, you know, current Bieber approach, which is a lot of openness and a lot of autonomy in what they're doing. But the other side of it is there are a lot of celebrities that are like, let them say what they want. I don't give a fuck. I know the truth. The people around me know the truth. The people I'm closest to know the truth. So if people are going to talk, let them talk. And there's a lot of celebrities that can handle that and can deal with it that way because they know their own truth. But there are a lot of celebrities, understandably, that are so damaged by that and so damaged by the thought process of other people that they kind of have to control their narrative. I think Miley's one of those people, and we'll get into that a little bit later, where I think she let the narrative control itself for a little while and then was like, why am I letting this happen when I can come forward, say all the things that I'm thinking, create zero room for people to come up with all of these theories and things that they're going to say about me when I can just come forward and say exactly what's happening. I'm so glad you gave the Miley example because I was about to say that we're going to talk, we're going to have a probably lengthy discussion about Miley on Joe Rogan because it was so interesting. And she talked a lot about that. And you're so right. Like, especially people like a Miley, like a Justin, like a Selena who got famous so young and how their approach to what they want to share has shifted over the years, I think is just like really, really fascinating. Right. And I think it's also people who grew up in the age of internet versus not. Like you take Angelina Jolie, for example. She's gone through how many different things, how many different divorces, how many different public, you know, mishaps or whatever you want to call it. And she's public when she wants to be public. And if you want to talk about her, then you can. And she's not going to control that because she's not really on social media and not really seeing everything that's said about her on a daily basis, as opposed to somebody like Justin or Miley or anybody else in that kind of age group, because they grew up in the age of social media and what goes on and they're on social media. Therefore they're seeing everything that's thrown at them. And they're also trained in what their approach is going to be themselves versus going through a publicist. That's going to reveal it to a news source. Completely. And also like what you're saying is completely accurate. And the flip side of that is also it's, it's easier now than ever. And Miley was saying this in the Rogan podcast, like it's easier now more than ever, not only for celebrities to say what they want about their own lives, but also anybody who has an opinion can share that to the world immediately. Anybody can start a podcast. Anybody can, you know, make a blog post or Twitter or an Instagram or whatever it is. So it's so much easier for these really malicious theories to be spread. Whereas to you know, if you want to take down Angelina Jolie when she's growing up, you're going to have to get through to a newspaper. It's two kind of different worlds. Right. Whereas if you want to say something about Bieber, tweet it out. And then if people decide to believe whatever you're putting out on the internet, you'll have 20,000 retweets later and the whole internet talking about it, whether or not exactly. it's true. Yeah, no, exactly. I also, I really, 
I think both of us were kind of frustrated by this, but I just want to mention it because I obviously recognize that it's a point. Yes, in the music video, there's a line where, you know, he was lip syncing to the entire thing and there's a line that includes Selena. And so he lip syncs Selena. And this, of course, the internet runs with it. Like, I think I was talking to Rio and she was like, we didn't want to look or we didn't want to make a thing of it. But yeah, of course we look for a second. But like, I don't know. I just feel like they are both doing so well. Selena Gomez just launched Rare Beauty with this really beautiful mental health initiative focus. Like, I feel like Justin is really thriving in his life and in his marriage. And yes, of course, every single one of us would be lying to say we didn't look for that and probably replay it over five times just because for some fucking reason we care. But I try to not kind of put the two together because I think that it diminishes both of their success and like both of their mental health success and career success and just independence. Like they are both fucking killing it and let's let them kill it and not constantly bring them together. Don't let, don't take away from what she's doing right now. And then also don't take away from what he's doing right now by not allowing them to separate. Do you agree with that or no? No, I do agree with you. I have to be honest. I swear I'm not just saying this. Like I did not think twice about him saying like that line being in the song or him lip syncing it. I didn't, like go back and watch that specific part. Like I just didn't pay attention to it until people started running news stories about it, mainly because it's not Justin's song. It's not Justin's lyric. So like, what was he going to do? Not sing it. I just, I, I think that it was, it's not even just about linking them together. It's about linking them together when it has absolutely nothing to do with either of them. Selena was used in a song about pop stars. She got a shout out from Drake. Justin Bieber sang Drake's song in a music video. It had nothing to do with Selena. And when you're taking Selena's name and running with that narrative, you're right. It separates everybody from the bigger picture and it creates about them. Like, this was Drake. This was DJ Khaled. This was Justin. Why are we going to take a narrative and run with something that has nothing to do with it? Yeah, I know. It's next level. I completely, completely agree with you. I would be lying if I said I didn't watch him out it like I just did. I, I can't help it, but not in a way that I thought that it was telling. It was more so I just liked the physical action. Right. Like there was nothing telling about it. It literally wasn't his song. <laughs> no part of me would have had the creative insight to think that this was going to be the concept, right? Like my mind was not going, okay, how's Drake going to film this video? What's he going to do? I wasn't even thinking about it. But once I saw it and once I saw that Justin Bieber was the face of pop star, like it really makes total sense because whether or not you like him, he's a fucking pop star. This is a guy that... First of all, for so long, that was his lifestyle, that exact kind of party boy, top of the world thing that he was portraying. So it made total sense. And then just to have the Haley inclusion and to have his current life kind of mixed in with that, it was it was so brilliant. I really genuinely think that it was brilliant. I do too. I loved it. And I think that was the like general reaction of the internet, which was, this is an amazing concept and an amazing idea. And I... I can't think of anyone more perfect than Justin to have been in this video. I obviously don't know what I was expecting music video wise. Like I'm such a music video person. I, I love them, but I just wasn't really thinking about this. And also I think I wasn't thinking about it because I don't think the song got as much hype when it was first released by the general public. I think that now that the music video is out and everyone's talking about it, it's everyone's talking about the song. But when it first came out, I don't think people were, as obsessed with the song or playing it as much. And a lot of that does have to do with the fact that we're in quarantine. It's not like there are bars and clubs and, you know, people playing music all around us all the time. We're kind of sitting in our homes for the most part. So when songs are going viral at this time, it's 
there really has to be something in order for it to be in our constant orbit because we're not, it's not in, like around us as much as we're used to when like big summer songs come out. Um, but it was well, such an amazing music video concept. And as far as music videos go, I was like, this is just like as good as it gets. As good as it gets. And, and by the way, what you just said about like not being in bars, it's really crazy because TikTok is the new bar song, meaning you would know that when you're at a bar or a restaurant or whatever it is in the summer and you hear a song everywhere you go, you're like, wow, this is the song of the fucking summer. Like you're at your friend's pool, whatever it is. And you know that that song is topping the charts because it has become the song of the summer for summer activities. And now in so many ways, it's not the only way a song can go viral, but TikTok has taken the place of those kind of bars, which I guess they would do anyway, even if you know, even if bars were still a thing right now, but it's just so crazy the way that we, in our minds, like quantify what is becoming successful, like the, the measure of which we define that. I agree with you. And I'll say my only criticism of music on TikTok, and I have very few criticisms of it, um, is that songs like this tend to not be as popular on TikTok because TikTok kind of creates an environment where unless a song you can do a very specific dance to or it has enough rhythm for you to make up a dance for it, it tends to not go as viral. So a song like this didn't go as viral because even though it is a really good club song and a really good bar song, it's not a great dancing TikTok song. So it is interesting when you have those two types of things competing and you kind of have to differentiate like what is a great TikTok song and what's a great song to make up dances to versus what's a song that I want to hear when I'm out with my friends. Right. And like, if you're Megan the Stallion, the answer is both because she just happens to make really great music. But I have two really interesting thoughts, not to really discuss here, just for you to think about, but also anybody listening. The first one is what are songs that you think would have been more successful this summer or really kind of this entire year if bars and restaurants and more of things like that were in play? And the second one is, I'm sure this concept will not be redone at least anytime soon because clearly that would be such copying. But I, my mind could not stop going to like, oh my God, what are other songs that I want music videos where another person is playing the person? Like another uh, uh, artist is mouthing the whole song. I couldn't stop. Just my mind was going. I know. I don't have an answer for the first one yet, but I'm going to think about it. This song could be the answer, but now that the music video is out, I guess it's not really the answer. Um, as far as, yeah, what other people could be in music videos, I don't know. It's an interesting concept. Has this, I, I know I'm asking you and you're not going to know the answer, but because I also don't. I wonder if this concept has been done before to this extent. I can't think of any in the back of my mind, but I'm sure there is one that stands out. Totally could have. I just don't know. It was, you know, I think you and I talk about this a lot. It's really, it makes it even better when something that's currently happening in the world is in, you know, incorporated into a project. So like we all could relate to the fact of why this storyline was made up. The fact that, you know, Drake couldn't travel because he's in Canada and Corona's going on. Like it gives it just the sense of being more timely and it, it makes it like this song will now forever be associated with 2020 because the entire premise of it, fictional or not, existed based on this idea that Drake couldn't travel. And like, I do think as Miley Cyrus was saying in her Rogan interview, like, there is a certain level of escapism that I think celebrities in, in any way they can want to provide to their fans right now. And I feel like Drake and Khaled and Bieber really did that with this video in a way that also 
incorporated what's going on without making it like douchey. And maybe that's not everybody's opinion. That's just how I felt. I agree with you. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Oh, it would, Julie, he's so sexy. Can I say two more things? Of course. Okay. One, the ending with Haley was perfect. I wouldn't have changed the thing. I loved it so much. And I thought it brought the whole music video together because I think it would have been so disingenuous for Bieber to be in a music video like that and then not have any acknowledgement to Haley. I think it would have just been so off brand for him. So I loved the end. Um, and my second hot take, my first hot take of the episode, my second point is that I fucking thought he looked so good in this music video. Like I thought he was so, so hot, so sexy. I think he looks hotter and no brainer. Wow. That is a hot take. It's a hot take. I know. Can I ask why? Was it the hair? Was it the dancing? Dancing. I mean, it's, it's a minuscule comparison. Like I think that this, those two videos are the best he's looked like, oh my God. And on the one, um, which I suggest you watching all three at the same time, honestly, one after the other. Um, but I think that it is so minuscule of like me thinking he's hotter than the other comparatively, but I think that his dancing and no brainer was so, so hot. I don't think, I mean, I have to watch it. I feel like to form my opinion, but I think if we're talking just looks, I think he physically probably looked better here, but you're right. Like the other one just incorporated so much of more of his dance moves. So yeah, that makes total sense. Probably a combination would have really just done it. Remember, remember a no brainer when he's on top of the car? Obviously. Yes. Oh my, oh my God. God. He's holding a sod. No, no, Julia. I know. Another one of those. Where the fuck is another Chance Quavo Bieber song by Khaled? Chance specifically and Bieber together is really, is really something special. I got to tell you, that is really a special combination. I mean, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, hot take. I take not with this particular video, clearly, because the magic needed it to be a Drake song. I think I would potentially take Chance and Bieber together over Drake and Bieber. Is that crazy? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I know. It's like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, I don't mean to overwhelm you. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. But you know what's it's funny about Drake in this video is that he's so like expressive in the beginning when he's acting and complaining about DJ Gallup, like berating him about coming up with a music video concept and needing to film it. And he's like, another one, another one. And everyone after is like tweeting about his acting and they're like, how are you guys all going to forget about Degrassi? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny and so true. I forgot about it until this moment right now. Oh my God. I actually really want Drake to do more acting because I think when I think about Drake and I think about the rapping, the singing and the acting, I think about Donald Glover and Childish Gambino. Um, And I feel like with Donald Glover, it's like he can act, sing, rap, and he's a comedian and he is equally as good at all of them and exceptionally good at all of them. And I just want to see Drake take that step into acting too, because I feel like he's so much better than people remember him in Degrassi and so much better than, than like what you see glimpses of. And I think that if we gave him a real acting role, he would shine. He's just so unbelievably talented as a rapper that I think that it's hard to compare. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's not about comparing. It's just like broadening horizons. Yeah, no, I I can appreciate that. Oh, I have to tell you guys, it's 1054 right now. And I know 
we'll end this podcast. We'll, you know, listen back. We'll send everything to the producer. And Julie's going to text me at like 2 a.m. Be like, I was thinking about it. And, you know, I really just don't feel comfortable choosing between Drake and Chance. But, and like, Julie's going to send me a bulleted list. I just know it. I just I, know I it. I choose. I can't. That's so mean. I would never do that to them. That's like, oh my God, why can't they all be in a song together? It kind of, the thing that this music video did for me in a way was it like, I feel like it opened up our possibilities. Meaning if you have an amazing song by, let's say, I don't know, Rihanna and Jay-Z, I'm just throwing those two out there. And there's another third person that you would love to star in it. No longer do only the artists need to be the main points, which I know you could say was happening for a while. Clearly there were cameos, but now it's like, you don't even need to have anything to do with the track and you can still be a star. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, as long as the concept doesn't get saturated, yeah, it's fucking incredible. Listen, let me tell you something. I like Kylie as much as the next guy. This is, forget about it. (laughs) Kylie's five second WAP cameo, I'm sorry. Literally, watch and learn. Yeah. This beaver is, you know what I mean? Forget it. He was so hot in this video, I can't handle it. No, no, it's too much. I can't stop thinking about it. Do you feel comfortable moving on? Is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, I mean, listen, I can't promise you want to be like 100% focused because now I'm like thinking about it the whole time. But like, I feel comfortable moving away from this topic. And I can't promise I won't reference it again. Like, I'm not going to make that promise to you guys move on and say that we're done talking about it. But like, I feel comfortable moving on to the next topic. I can't speak for anyone else. I can speak for myself and saying I welcome it. I love hearing you talk about it. And if you have an urge, just say it. Okay. 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 So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I want to do Miley, but let's just first clarify this Jay Cutler rumor because people were losing it. I wish, I wish one day we could have just an Instagram show where it's just our DMs flashing because you guys, we get the funniest shit. I I really appreciate if you are somebody who DMs us and honestly, a lot of the time we're not going to respond just because we get so many. Don't ever stop. When you, when there's a story and you react to it, I cannot tell you, Julie and I, maybe send every single one to each other because I love the emotion that you guys bring. It's like, yes, these people give a shit in the way that we give a shit. We never thought we'd find people like this. That are all, That's everybody listening. Those are our really dedicated followers. Literally, thank you because it makes us feel so much less crazy. Oh my God, it's the best thing in the world. 
So E! News posted an Instagram and it was a picture of split screen of Jay Cutler and Tommy Lahren. And the caption was, Jay Cutler was recently spotted with Fox Nation reporter Tommy Lahren and social media sharing all their thoughts. More on their night out and friendship at the link in our bio. And Zoe Deutsch commented, yikes. By the way, just so that you know, in the article from E!, a source said, quote, the two of them were having a lot of fun together at a table along with two other friends. Tommy and Jay were passing a bottle of tequila back and forth and taking shots together directly from the bottle. The two of them left together. So we posted Zoe's comment. We obviously agreed with her sentiment and we were just kind of shocked as to this couple. And by the way, our DMs were blowing up. And then we started to do a little bit of investigative work and we realized that she had been commenting on his Instagrams for a while now. And keep in mind, Kristen Cavallari used to run his Instagram. His handle is at if Jay had Instagram. And maybe a month or so ago, kind of at the height of the drama, he disabled it. I don't know what went on there, but he was kind of off Instagram. And now that he's come back, he fully runs his account himself. And a lot of what it is, is just like very humorous content from his farm. So 10 or so weeks ago, he had posted a picture of his rooster and he wrote, First of all, the little guy is all, is all heart and I love him. Coolest rooster in the game by far. Old Blue terrifies me. Pretty sure he wants to fight me. He keeps staring at me with those crazy eyes and flapping his wings. Whatever comes in the chicken yard tonight, better buckle up. Old Blue is not playing. He's trying to fight humans. And Tommy had commented saying, this is already more entertaining than the e-show dot, 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 American flag emoji. Clearly, number one, it showed us two things. That was very much... I think we could all assume a dig at Kristen and or the show. And also it just confirmed they at the very least knew each other. Like take out whether or not they're romantically involved, they knew each other, right? That was kind of how we felt. Right. Right. And not only knew each other, it was like their friendship clearly dates back farther than that one dinner. Exactly, exactly. So this now makes headlines everywhere. And they both came out and kind of denied it. So she tweeted, I love it when the internet tells me who I'm dating. Good one. And he uh, posted an Instagram story of his cow and wrote, only lady in my life, be better internet. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> what do you want us to say about this? Can I give you my second hot take of the episode? Of course. It is so much worse that they're not dating. It's so much worse. You're telling me that you're hanging out with her and you're not even getting laid. You're just in it for the conversation and the company. That is so much worse. Julie, (laughs) you're so right. Everybody is so relieved when they tweet that. And you and I were like, wait a damn minute. (laughs) Like, also, what were they talking about when they're sharing this bottle of tequila? Oh, we know what they were talking about. <laughs> I just, I don't know. The whole thing is so bizarre. I can't. Bizarre, but not surprising. No, not surprising, but bizarre. And also, if you're a Christian, this is kind of, I mean, some could argue it's best case scenario. Some could argue it's worst case scenario. The worst case scenario obviously comes from the association just in general. But the best case is like, pretty much no one is on his side. Not that we have to take sides here, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, as long as Kristen doesn't doesn't fuck Tucker Carlson, she's pretty much in the clear. Right, like, she's got a... She, the bar is so low. Oh really God. so low. It's so low. Couldn't be low. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, there, is there anything else you'd like to add? I feel like we just should, should stop before we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, we should stop while we're ahead. Yeah. Okay, should we move on to Miley? Yeah, I think we have to. (laughs) We have to. Okay, so Miley was on Joe Rogan. And as you guys know, Joe's episodes are two hours. So 
I think a lot of you probably listened, but I also know for a fact that a lot of you didn't. And to be totally honest, this is one of those times where I'm really glad that this is our job because Julie and I don't listen to that many podcasts just because when you're hearing yourself talk for so many hours a week and we listen to our episodes before it gets published, like it's so many hours of listening to people talk that I think we just crave music, like kind of, right? Yeah, music, TV, yeah. So she was on, I gotta tell you something. I definitely do not like every single one of his interviews. I loved this one. I know you didn't listen to the whole thing, which I kind of like when that happens because we can have like, I feel like I can tell you things for the first time, right. <laughs> which is fun. But okay, there was a bunch of different things. I took notes while I was listening to it on my walk. And the first thing I want to say is, you guys remember when she was on Call Her Daddy a couple weeks ago? And I said like, it didn't go as deep as it probably could have because it was a little bit more sex focused, which is totally fine. But the feedback that you and I both said was like, you can definitely tell that she's in therapy and she's really working through her things. And this Joe Rogan episode was like a two hour I think example of that. And I'm, I can definitely see not everybody liking it because the last thing that she is, is like calming to listen to, which is totally fine. You don't have to be, but she's a lot, a lot of energy, which she actually spoke about a lot. And so I was really glad that I listened to it while I was on a walk. Cause it kind of energized me. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend it for working out. Cause it's like, this is not the kind of thing that you're going to just be able to lay in bed to. At least that's how I feel. Everybody's different. Okay. Right. You kind of felt that way, though, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's her energy. I never, I always expect that. Although I will say sometimes she is very calming, which is weird. Like, it depends on what her vibe is and what energy she's putting out. But I think usually when she's doing interviews, she puts out a more, like, quote, chaotic energy. And I mean that in a good way versus, like, when she's coming out with a song. Chaotic is the best word to describe it. That's exactly what it was. And again, not a bad thing at all. So she spoke about a lot of different things. And... We'll, we'll talk about Liam, but I don't even want to like discredit this interview by focusing on that because it was so, so much more than that. And she talked about how when you're in the spotlight, a lot of the time she gave this quote that your opinion becomes your identity. And I think that that's a really interesting concept to just to kind of explore more how, you know, there was just this, there was this part of her life kind of where she became so closely associated with so many things, not even by choice. And it takes so much work to not have that happen when you are famous, which like something that she was talking about a lot, which I honestly didn't know she felt this way to this extent. She has a lot of guilt, which like if she ever comes on the show, which I'm manifesting because I hope it happens. I really want to go deeper on this with her. Like she was saying how she is obviously so grateful for everything she has, but that she has this real sense of guilt for all of it. And he was kind of working through that with her, but it was just, it was interesting because you could tell she wasn't just saying it to say it. I really didn't feel that way. I think she was really saying it to be like, this is something that I'm actively working on, but I recognize how debilitating it can be for me if I let it take me over. Yeah, that's very interesting. And very unsurprising tear come out of her. Something that I think also, just going back to the Justin conversation we were having, you know, she's been at this forever. And even growing up, you know, Billy Ray is her dad. And at the time, Billy Ray was a really big star. And she was saying that a, a trend that she's noticed throughout her career is that there comes this narrative in the media that when you become in control, you're actually out of control. And what she meant by that was like, 
She's like, when I felt the most me and the most empowered, that's when the media kind of runs with the fact like Miley Cyrus off the wall, having sex, doing drugs every night. And she's like, or like be getting pregnant, doing drugs every night. She's like, first of all, one of those two things is true. <laughs> but, but second of all, she like, she was just alluding to the frustrating feeling that arises when you can't do anything that you actually want to do and have people view it as like you doing it because you want to. There's always, there's always this idea of a hidden agenda. And the guilt thing came into play because she was trying to not sound like she was complaining. She's like, I get how lucky I am for my life. And Joe had to continually remind her of like, we get it. You know, you don't have to keep saying that. Like, it makes total sense that you, you know, you appreciate those things, but also this isn't easy. And anybody saying that it is easy is totally lying. And I, I don't know. I guess I just really appreciated that conversation. Well, that conversation's an interesting one because I also think it has a lot more to do with growing up as a Disney and a childhood star versus a celebrity. Because I think when you're a celebrity, you have a certain reputation and you didn't grow up as a childhood star in, in the public eye or with a certain reputation as a kid, it is much easier to change that narrative, that narrative and kind of flip the conversation to being about something else with you because people don't have this very controlled idea of who you are. So like if you're a celebrity and you're a singer and you kind of came out recently and you want to change something about your appearance or change something about your style or change something about your attitude, like you can kind of do that without it being such a big deal. It kind of, you know, will get, it will get written off as just like, Oh, they're maturing or, Oh, they're finding themselves in the industry. It's a very different narrative when you grow up as a child star because when you start to do those things, one of two things happens. It's either A, like you're out of control, like, you, you know, these child stars, they're, you know, they, it ruins them to grow up in the spotlight. And now they're no, they don't have control of themselves and they're ruined forever. You have that narrative. And B, which is kind of close to what Miley's talking about, whereas like she took control of what she wanted to become, but people have this mindset and kind of rightfully so a lot of the times where in order to flip that switch of what it used to be like when you were a child star, you have to go to the extreme of the other end to fully strip that identity from you. So where, you know, Miley is seeing like, this is me, this is the happiest I've been, this is who I want to be. There's half the people that are seeing it as like, oh my God, she's headed towards that typical path of destruction. And the other half of people being like, oh my God, she had to go so far to this extreme to get rid of her identity in order to become this new person. And this isn't who she really is. She's just pretending to be this person. And it's not her real identity. Meanwhile, she's trying to control her identity and saying, no, no, this actually is who I am. But the people that are supportive of her are saying that it isn't. And the people that are, you know, on the other end of that spectrum are saying that she's permanently damaged. Whereas she's just trying to find that middle ground. If people are like, okay, you're my fan and I want you to see me for who I am without being worried about me for no reason. Exactly. Exactly. That is so beautifully said. There's no middle ground. There's no happy medium and there's no freedom or space to be able to find that. And that's what she was saying was so frustrating. And she was talking about how she's like, I genuinely, I can't read anything about me. She's like, sometimes it's hard to escape because I'm walking down the street and I'll see a magazine, you know, that says some terrible headline, but she's like, I really had to block it out because it was making me go crazy. And I you and I talk about this all the time. I can't imagine, like anybody listening, just imagine that you, we all go through shit. You, you do things in your life that you are look back and you're not the most proud of. You make some destructive decisions or you're just acting out of an emotion that probably shouldn't be leading you. But we all do that because none of us are perfect. And that is now plastered everywhere. 
from the time that you're like 13 years old, you know, I really was impressed by the way that she's openly working through it, but also her acknowledgement of how, like, if she lets this, it could easily take her over. And she was saying how not many people make it out here. She's like, fame is basically like throwing you into the pool and not knowing if you're going to be able to swim. And she said that when she first started becoming famous, that, or when she first started going for these, you know, auditions and stuff that her mom would take her and that Billy Ray was so mad at her mom because he was, she was like, I, you know, my dad didn't want that for me. He knew what that was like. And he wanted to kind of shield me from it. And she said, she's like, you know, looking back, listen, I like, I love my parents. My mom is the reason I'm here. But looking back, it was a little bit backwards the way that they handled things. I don't know. It was so interesting. She talked about being in Nashville, how they were this, you know, these big fish in a very small pond. And then she goes to LA and that's not the case. And she's like, I am grateful for that because I need that. She's like, I need that constant challenge. I can't be the biggest one there. And I believe her when she says that. I don't think that was just a line that her therapist told her to say. Like, I genuinely believe she's the type of person that wants to continue to be stimulated. No, I think so too. The whole fame conversation is just, there's so many layers to it because you have somebody like us where it's like, I don't, as much as we examine famous people and as much as our job is to talk about them and discuss every kind of aspect of their lives, there's the overwhelming part of me that's like, who would, who would want this? Like, I understand that if you're famous, you're putting yourself out there and you're opening yourself up to people like us talking about the things that you do. And and I think that we happen to be on the lighter end of that spectrum and the less intrusive end of that spectrum. And I, I love that because I think that there's a lot of aspects of celebrity culture and celebrity reporting that are so overly intrusive and disgusting and, you know, just grimy. Um, But I think that in any level of the spectrum, I have a hard time kind of understanding why somebody would choose that. But then you also see people who will kind of do anything to be famous. And it's not just like, like Kim Kardashian. It's not just like they have an, they're really talented at acting or singing and they're just kind of chasing their dreams and the fame is just kind of what comes with it. You have people like Kim Kardashian and Tana who their, their goal is to be famous. They feel like they were put on this earth to be known by other people. And it's just such a fascinating concept and conversation because the whole idea of Miley having to walk down the street and see things about her. And it's not always things where it's like, Oh, I really regret that moment. I wish it wasn't there. Oh, I hate that picture of me. I wish somebody didn't take it. A lot of it is just blatant lies and stories written about you or things that you confided in your closest friends that they then run and tell somebody else you don't know who you can trust. Like there's so many layers to it. And the other thing as a celebrity is like, you have to really pick and choose what you respond to. Like we were having that conversation before about, you know, growing up in the age of social media and being able to take the, you know, that power back, but also you really can't be that celebrity that responds to every single rumor you see about yourself on the internet. And I can't imagine how frustrating that is to see, you know, blatant things that just aren't true and not be able to say like, no, this is false because you have to be picky and choosy with what you're going to respond to. I, I, Julie, I know I, I actually can't imagine how infuriating that would be. Think about any of us on a smaller scale in our own little lives. You, it's so infuriating when someone's saying something that you know is not true. And I don't believe that there's always those people that'll say, well, why are you getting so defensive? It's, if it's not the case, it's like, because you're attacking my character. And just because you're famous, that doesn't go away. I think you still have that sense of like wanting to defend your integrity and your character and, uh, you know, untruths. And so like, 
it, you then just can't. And I can't imagine how frustrating that is. And honestly, Miley, for example, she was born into it. She didn't have to do anything and she would always be Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter. She didn't have to do a thing. And then she just so happened to also be really talented. And she's burst into it. And she's like, I know that I am. And and Joe Rogan kept saying this. He's like, you are one of the most like famous people ever. And she's like, I, I know, I, I get it. And I think she's kind of still not coming to terms with it. Like she gets it. But I think every single day she is just conceptualizing and dealing with like what that means. Like what that means in terms of her role, both in the public, but also this, Julie, this, you would have thought this part was so interesting. She was saying how one of her biggest fears is that she feels like everyone around her is afraid of her because one time someone said that to her. She's like, it stuck with me so deeply. She's like, that's the last thing that I ever want. I never, ever want that to be the case. And Joe was even giving the example. They were talking about working out and she was saying how she feels like she's not going as hard and they kind of got it out of her or she kind of came to the conclusion as she was talking about it, that her trainer has become more like her family. And if she has a bad day and she goes in, he's not going to push her that hard, which some could say is respectable and commendable totally. But Joe was saying, he's not going to say to Miley Cyrus, get your fucking ass up and work. And like, that can be really damaging for someone who doesn't always want it. And like this complicated relationship between really appreciating that because it makes your life so much easier, but also not wanting people around you to be walking on eggshells. Yeah, that's an amazing point. Also, there are certain things like that's such an example of something where that was probably like a really slight insecurity that she didn't even know she had. And then when somebody said it, it, she fixated on it because there are certain things where people say to you and like, you know, they're a hundred percent not true. Like, you know yourself so well that you can be like, that's ridiculous. And, And then you never think about it again. No one else ever says it to you again, but you'll have something where one person says something to you one time and it hits on some insecurity you have or some feeling that you have about yourself and you can't let it go, even though no one else around you feels that way. And even though no one has ever said that about you before, one person saying it, hitting on an insecurity or hitting on a prior feeling that you had, it'll stick with you. Oh, completely. And that's what was happening. She also spoke, oh, there were so many things. I really want to just choose the best one because I know like you guys can listen to it, but it was just, I had such a good time listening. She was talking about this most recent VMA performance. And that's when she was saying like, I know that I didn't have to do anything crazy, but I wanted to. She's like, I want to give my fans a level of escapism, especially during this time. And if I could do it safely, I was going to do it. But she said that the VMA director said this to her. I'm going to read the quote. He said to her, you know, you want to be treated like a guy and look like a guy. We wouldn't be dealing with this if a guy was doing it. She was talking about how there were all these issues with like her braces. And she goes, I was just asking some questions, not even on some diva shit. I wanted the lights to be turned off and then the lighting of the room to just be lighting me. So no key light, no beauty light. The beauty light is always used on women. And I said, turn the fucking lights off. You would never tell Travis Scott or Adam Levine that he couldn't turn the beauty light off. And she made the comparison of like, she's like, nobody would ever, if Kanye West was designing his set in the way that he wanted it, nobody would ever say a thing. And she made a point to be like, by the way, I am not one to bring up like the difference in the way that the genders are treated unnecessarily. She's like, because honestly, I really fucking like guys. She was like, I actually think I relate so much more to guys. And like, she made this whole point. She was like, but this was an example where factually, and how spot on is that? You think the VMA director is going to say that to Kanye? No, that's bullshit. Right. Yeah. That's women's concerns. That's women's concerns being taken less seriously because we are somehow viewed in the light of things are done for vanity, which yeah, sometimes they are. Newsflash, sometimes they are for men or non-binary people or whatever it is. Like, I I hate that. And I, and I liked the way she said it. And she didn't say it aggressively. She was just making a very factual point that I think was really hard to argue. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I totally understand that. Um. Oh my God, there was so much. I don't know. I just think that you guys should listen. She spoke about Liam a little bit, just about the breakup. And one of the, the best lines that I took from it, which I'm sure will resonate with other people, was she said, I don't need someone to take care of me. I need them to take care of them. Yeah. And that to me, I think is, when she said it, I don't think she realized that it was like profound. And I'm sure it's been said before, but it, I don't know. I guess I hadn't heard it like that in a while. And it really stuck with me because it's so true. I think we can so easily fall into this. Anybody can fall into this trap of like, like being so there for the other person. And the biggest blessing that you can give someone is like showing them that you are going to be there for yourself. Of course, like in a relationship, it's, it's give and take, but like, I don't know. I, I really, really liked that. Yeah. Well, I think that people oftentimes get really caught up in the idea of the other person needing them and feeling security in that until it gets to a certain extent where you're like, okay, but I need to know that like you can be okay without me. And then it gets overwhelming when you realize that they can't or you don't think that they can. And that's when it crosses that line. Yeah, no, totally. There was just a lot. She also spoke, this is so funny. Her and Dolly Parton, because you know, Dolly Parton's her godmother and like her mentor. She communicates with her via fax. No way. She doesn't. That's the thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I know Dolly faxes her and she sends an email and her Dolly's team prints it and fax it to Dolly. Oh my heart. Oh my God. I know. I want to Dolly a fax so badly. I know. And she gave the example, just talking about how different things are for, you know, people that are working like a little bit more of the older generation of saying, she's like, you know, the biggest blessing about music nowadays is that if I feel a certain way, I can record the album. Of course, that takes time, but then I can put it out. She's like, it used to be that I would record an album so early. And by the time it came out, I wasn't feeling those things. I maybe wasn't even in love with that person. She's like, it's kind of like when I shot my Vanity Fair spread. By the time it came out, I was already divorced. And so she was saying she recorded something with Dolly. She's like, and it's so weird having to do it so far in advance because she does things so much the old fashioned way, which like, is what she loves about her. But when she was involved, she was like, it really fucked with me for a second because that's so not how I do things anymore. Yeah, that's really interesting. The way we work as people understanding songs and listening to music put out by artists is that we connect it to whatever is currently going on in their lives because we assume that that's the time frame. Where in reality, songs... Artists can write songs four years prior, never have released it, and then feel like, okay, this is the time that I want to come out with that song. And it has absolutely nothing to do with what we're assuming it's about. Exactly. That's kind of what she was alluding to. Like the way that music is produced now has completely changed the game in a really positive way. Yeah, it is. Because it's also like the last thing that I'll say about this is also interesting when you think about songs from when you were little, because when you're younger, you don't think about who they're about. They're just songs to you. And like I think it was Mariah Carey talking about songs that he wrote. She wrote about just about Derek Jeter, and she was confirming it. And I was like, "There's so many songs written about so many different celebrity couples that when you're younger and you're not paying attention to those things, you don't think about it at all." And it's funny finding out later in life who those songs were actually about. Completely, we there's and honestly, there are still so many that we don't know, and some that we'll never know. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, because even when you're doing research and you're looking up certain things and it's like, oh, this song was written about this. And you're like, I had no clue. I had absolutely no idea that that was ever the case. And then you're like, I wonder if that was a big deal at the time. And I just didn't know about it or wasn't paying attention. Exactly. 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 
Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and they're just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable, like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because you guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Okay, shall we? Yes. Okay. We're very long-winded today. Is that bad, do you think? It's a lot of conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I'm feeling so excited to talk. I mean, I'm always excited to talk to you, but we're like extra excited to talk to each other. I have so many things to say, which is funny because as we're talking, I had like three different thoughts going through my head where I'm like, one, where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy that you and Isabel have your own episode so I don't have to feel pressed for time. Two, I'm talking so much. Please don't make me listen back to this episode. Three, are we both have just so many fucking opinions today? I don't know what it is. I think it's a combination of like opinions and also just there's a lot like with the Miley thing. She said a lot of shit and I, we want to relay it. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I guess you know what? we talk about Justin Bieber for 25 minutes. But like I'm not going back on it and I'm not saying sorry. No, <laughs> let's just go with how we feel. Okay. Okay. So let me tell you guys, we're going to do a little bit of a Britney update. And then we have like four relationship things to get into before we do awards and Kardashian. Okay. Ready? Ready. So her court appointed attorney, Samuel Ingham, filed court papers on Monday in LA. And basically he was asking for several changes to her conservatorship. As you guys know, the conservatorship was extended to February, 2021. And there was the most recent filing, which said that she was strongly opposed to having her father, Jamie, as her sole conservator. So these documents state that she wants, quote, a voluntary conservatorship, which means that she, quote, wishes to exercise her right to nominate a conservator of the estate and is, quote, substantially unable to manage her financial resources, which really interesting. And we're going to get into in one minute. So in this filing, it said that Brittany has suggested that Bessemer Trust Company of California be her conservator. And so if by the court that is granted as in her best interest, the wealth management and investment advisory firm would be in charge of her finances. And they would also control the POA, the power of attorney for her medical health decisions and career. This is really interesting for a lot of reasons, but I just want to fill you in on everything. So totally separate documents. Her mother, Lynn, supported this nomination of this Trump, this trust company. And 
Brittany also said that she wants the trust to, quote, have the power and authorization to pursue opportunities related to professional commitments and activities, including but not limited to performing, recording, videos, tours, TV shows, and other similar activities, as long as they're approved by the conservator of the person and her medical team. Okay. So then on Wednesday, that was on Monday, on Wednesday, the lawyer filed new court documents asking the judge to deny Jamie, her dad's motions to seal parts of the ongoing conservatorship case. So Instead of making these things private, basically Brittany and her legal team want to make the case, quote, transparent with her fans, which is literally fucking so interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read this quote. Quote, Brittany strongly believes it is consistent not only with her personal best interests, but also with good public policy generally, that the decision to appoint a new conservator of her estate be made in as open and transparent a manner as possible. Jamie's motion is, quote, supposedly being brought by her father to protect Brittany's interests, but she is adamantly opposed to it. It's okay. Let's, yeah, let's break that down before we get into the Sam comment. You want me to go first? You go first. Okay. Yeah, I want you to go first. So the first thing, A, which we kind of spoke about a couple of weeks ago, which is it's really interesting to talk about the conservatorship from the lens of things need to change, but Brittany still wants it in place. And I do believe that this is something that Brittany wants. Like if she was adamantly, adamantly opposed to it, I think that you would be seeing a lot of different things in the filings. And this is also her court appointed attorney. Therefore he is operating within her best interest. If she wants that conservatorship gone for good, wants nothing to do with it, then he can file that motion. If the, you know, if the judge is going to turn that down, then the judge is going to turn it down. But if she wants that in place, she can at least have that request. So I think that it's a lot of it is about, you know, refocusing what our idea of this conservatorship means what it means to be able to be under it and have things taken care of for her while still giving her the amount of freedom that she desires and deserves. Um, and the other thing that's so interesting is that, you know, the request for it to be public, because I think previously, you know, all the conspiracy theories and everything that we spoke, spoke about, which could potentially be correct, was that we weren't supposed to have the knowledge of this conservatorship. It was supposed to be very hush-hush, Brittany wasn't ever supposed to talk about it. No one in her camp was supposed to talk about it. The public was not supposed to be aware of it. So to go from that to, you know, we want all of these proceedings to be public is such an interesting switch, mainly because you look at the quote free Brittany movement and a lot of people are really in support of it. A lot of people are overly critical of it, but you can see the area where those two things kind of overlap where it's like, okay, maybe it kind of had it wrong in the sense of what's in Brittany's best interest but what it did do was bring this to public attention and allow to create a space for Brittany and for her team where it is okay for this to be public. And not only is it okay, it's kind of required. And if her dad is in charge, he can't hide these things from the public anymore. Well, yeah, so exactly. The thing that I took away from it that was the most interesting to me was, and I don't mean to simplify it down to this because it's not the case, but it's almost less about quote, freeing Britney from the conservatorship and more so freeing Britney from her dad. Because the consistent here is that her dad seems to be the constant issue. From what we're seeing here, assuming this is, you know, all all kosher, she's not opposing the conservatorship. She's opposing her dad's involvement, her dad being the sole one. Again, Jamie is the one that wants to keep this private. So if it, you're right, if it was up to him and it was kept the same, no, but the public would not be getting this knowledge. I think her her reason and her camp's reason for wanting this 
to be transparent is really in an effort to expose him. Like the more public that it is, the less ground he has to stand on because then I think there's more kind of, and by ground, I mean public perception ground to stand on. Like it really seems like she's trying to break free from her dad, not necessarily from the idea of a third party having some control. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I think so. And I think a lot of the public perception and the public involvement and maybe not wanting it to be that case in the first place has a lot to do with what happened to Britney the first time around because the public involvement was the most damaging thing for her and fans opinions and what people wanted for her and what people expect her from her was her, her downfall. Think about 2008 and 2006 kind of to 2008 and what would have been able to happen had Britney been able to deal with these things in private without the constant public scrutiny and the constant paparazzis and everybody in her business and everybody constantly around her trying to tell her what to do. It would have been handled differently. Her mental health would have been handled differently. Everything about it and the way she kind of is now would have been different. So I think that I totally agree with the idea of things being public because then her father can't take advantage of the situation. I think also it must be a surprise and a really good feeling for Brittany for things to be able to be public and that turning into support and a lot of people in her corner rather than the first time around when the publicity of all would have made things 10 times worse for her. That's what I was going to say. Imagine a 2000, whatever, six, eight, whatever year, Brittany looking, having even to someone saying to her, you're not going to believe this, but in, you know, 14, 15 years, like you are going to want this attention. I know right now it seems terrible, not even want the attention, but you're going to want this dedication from your fans. And listen, this could be a little bit, not misconstrued, but like, who knows the legal reason for wanting this? Like maybe it really is to just get Jamie. Maybe it's whatever it is. Like, I do think that she must feel a sense of support. I really, I, I don't know. I can imagine it's overwhelming, but I think that she must feel a sense of like the dedication comes from a good place. Like you were saying, it's not an effort to take her down. It's because everybody genuinely wants what's best for her. Like no longer is her mental health and her downfalls put on display for public entertainment. Now it's like this community of people that are banding behind her because they can't stand to see this injustice. Right. And in a lot of ways, it's difficult because in a lot of ways, it does feel invasive at times for us to be so in her business and what's, you know, examining what's going on every inch of every court filing and procedure and where her, where she's at mentally. Like I can understand how, when you're comparing those two things, it does still, you know, feel invasive on this end, but you're hundred percent right to go from something that, you know, is fans caring for the sake of their own entertainment versus fans caring for your well-being and your prosperity and their their hope that you are in as good of a place as you want to be must be such an amazing feeling and I hope that she feels that level of support because I think as somebody who went through what she went through and is now on the other side of it or hopefully you know as close to the other side of it as a person could be it must be an amazing feeling I think when you examine what happened to Brittany all those years ago, it, I think it changed the way media approaches celebrities forever. I, I, I genuinely don't think that will, and hopefully and rightfully so, I don't think we'll ever end up in a situation again where the media is like that towards a celebrity going to something, A, because 
I think we as a public and we as a society are so different now. But I think part of the reason we're so different is because we were able to see the negative effects that that had and the way that it just, it broke her and it broke Lindsay Lohan. And it, you know, probably we'll find more about this in our documentary, broke Paris Helen. You know, public involvement is can be a really good thing when it's a lot of support and a lot of people loving you and a lot of people rooting for you. But you have to remember those same number of people and the masses coming at you when it's a bad thing, that amount of support you feel is just as heavy on the negative side when they're coming at you and attacking you. So it just must be so interesting for her to have those two experiences in the same lifetime. Oh, completely. In a lot of ways, Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan and these women that went through the fucking ringer in terms of the paparazzi and the media, they paved the way in a lot of ways, and by no means is the media perfect, for current young stars not dealing with that same type of thing. They're still obsessive and they're still mean, but the attack on the mental health is not in the same way that it was. And I think you're right. Part of that has to do with the effects that we saw. I I just think that's undeniable. I mean, even, you know, on TikTok, TikTok, how people say like, oh, you you guys switch up so fast in the comment section of people's videos. Yeah. Like one day, one week they hate them and the next week they all like them and everybody's like, you guys switch up so fast. It's true on the, literally, it's just, what's the expression? Flip of a dime? Flip of a... Flip of a switch. Yeah. Flip of a switch. No, there's some flip of a hat. I don't know. There's some flip that happened. Ask your dad. Yeah, God, ask my dad. There's definitely some, I'm sure if you're listening, you're so annoyed and screaming. I just can't remember. Yeah, there's some flip. We'll put it like that. It can be ambiguous. There's some flip that happens that it's really scary where you can feel like you have all the support in the world and next thing you know, they're on you. And that I think is what is so scary about fame. I really, really think that. That doesn't happen to your average person. Like it just, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay, should we talk about the comment? Holy fuck, this was so bizarre. Yes, yes. Okay, so Kelly Oxford, who is an author, if you guys, she's much more like a behind the scenes person, but she was on um, when Busy Phillips had her show Busy Tonight because she was one of the writers. She was on the show. So Kelly commented on a post of Britney's writing, this account finally got too scary for me. And Sam, Britney's boyfriend, comment, what's so scary about being the biggest superstar in the world, being herself, authentic, funny, humble, without caring what others think. We need more people like her and less Karens. Also, Instagram installed this button that you can hit to unfollow about 10 years ago. Interesting all around. I don't have a ton to say, just interesting all around. It's an interesting comment and it's an interesting reply. Yeah, I don't know. I think the only thing I will say is that I think while I understand some people are trying to show their support for Britney and I think it's a really beautiful thing, I I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if she's the one that has access to her phone, but like, I think just in general, there's a real trend that happens where people forget when they're commenting that the person can read it. Like they're not just speaking to the abyss and that's not an attack on Kelly Oxford at all. I'm sure she's very much a a supporter of Brittany. I'm just saying like, I think that that's a trend that happens a lot. Even, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of bizarre. Like she's still, she's still a person. She's still maybe is like seeing her comments, even if she's not running her own account. I don't know. I have to believe she has access to an iPhone. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I think that, I think that a lot of people also get caught in this whole idea of like Britney as an entity rather than Britney as a person. So they think their comments are like going to the larger, you're right, abyss than what is actually happening, especially when you're, Honestly, especially when you're a blue check person and your comment's going to go to the top. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's just bang out these relationship things. Okay. 
Okay. I think, well, I don't know. I mean, there's just not a whole lot to say, but I feel like we should go off of what we were saying last week, which is every single one of us is guilty of it. You and I, especially, even though we actively know that it's not right, but we do it anyway when like, you guys know what the media does. The second anybody is spotted together, they could literally be getting coffee. There's no such thing as they're hooking up. It's they're immediately dating. And after seeing that enough and being reading people magazines since you're 10 years old, you start to get into that mindset too. You meaning Julie and I, I'm sure some of you. So when we were talking about the outline for this week and we were organizing it, we were like, let's try really hard to remember that like these people may just be hooking up. Like right. they don't necessarily have to be dating. So I just want to throw that out there oh, so that we right. can all kind of frame everything. What? Or friends. <laughs> Or friends, that's what I'm saying. But like, we should all do that just to frame our thinking because it's so fucking easy for us to be like, oh my God, what do you think about them as a couple? Like, how many times have you hooked up with someone and you're not dating them? I've only ever hooked up with someone and not dated them. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. No, that's not true. Kind of true. Kind of true. Okay. So the first relationship kind of foursome we want to talk about is between Cara Delevingne, Ashley Benson, Halsey, and g Easy. This is interesting because basically it's kind of like swapped exes. As you guys know, Cara and Ashley dated from May 2018 to April of this year. Halsey and G-Eazy dated August 2017 to July 2018. So you guys know Cara and Ashley broke up and Ashley started seeing G-Eazy. They've been spotted together since mid-May and most recently they were spotted together last week. So keep that in the back of your mind while this is happening. Then... It comes out, and again, this is just what a source said, not saying there's any legitimacy to this. Quote, Kara has been hooking up with Halsey in the last few weeks, and they've been having a laugh together. It's all very casual and just a bit of fun. Neither of them are particularly keen to be tied down, and they're fine about seeing other people. They've both been very open about their sexuality and just want to enjoy themselves. They've both been on the same wavelength. They're usually so busy and flying around the world, but as they've been stuck in LA in recent months, it's given them a chance to see each other. Kara has kissed her in front of friends and stuff. It's not a big deal for either of them. It's actually just funny for them that their exes are together now and there's no hard feelings. Everything is so funny to me. I don't know why, but I think that it's I think that it's very unusual for it to be like a full swap like this. It's very unusual. Like you you know with my mom that one family friend that we have when they both like their exes got married and it was like the funniest thing my mom never married that guy like it's just so it was literally a queen a clean swap so crazy if that's even true I mean who knows although let me tell you something I could see Halsey and Carrot forget about being a couple I could so see them hooking up they're both so hot seemingly so just like fluid and fun and open and I. I don't know. I just like really, really could see that being a thing if it is. Yeah, me too. I could totally see it. Okay. So the next thing, again, not that not any of these are true, but let's just talk about that. So last week, Jacob Alordi and Kaya Gerber were seen at dinner together at Nobu Malibu, obviously. This is interesting because wasn't it last week when we were talking about Kara and Kaya? Yeah. Things move quickly. <laughs> Well, things move quickly when no one was actually dating in the first place. I I know. But things still, I mean, it's crazy though that like we can have one story where Kara and Kaya are so close to the point where we're pretty sure they're dating and then the next week it's like not even a thought in mind like we've already forgotten about it. Meanwhile, like they could also still be hooking up. Like, you know what I mean? We don't know. We don't know. And also, by the way, nobody said that anybody here is monogamous necessarily right now 
sometimes when you first start hooking up with someone, you're hooking up with other people too. And that's totally fine. It's just that when you're a celebrity, it's broadcasted to the world. Exactly. Okay. So basically the sources kind of say that nothing's happening yet. Her parents really like him. She's kind of hanging out. He has interest in her. They'll see what happens. Then the same week, Army Hammer and Rumor Willis were seen together last week walking around LA. And at one point he was photographed with his arm around her waist. Let me tell you something. I know absolutely nothing about what's going on here, but what I got to tell you, the way that we spoke about Army and Elizabeth split back July of this year, in that time, my whole opinion has changed in a way. Oh my God. Drastically, drastically changed. I, I, I don't know. I just like, I just don't know. I think there's a part of me that feels like I am absolutely not saying that he cheated on her. Please don't think that's what I'm saying. But I think that there was a part of me that feels like he, the way that that relationship was going was just like not consistent with like the life that he wanted to live. Like, I just think that he didn't want to be tied down. I just feel that way. Like, I just have this sense that like he, don't you kind of know what I mean? Yeah, well- I think what it was also is that I had such this view of them as this perfect little family. And then when they got divorced or when they announced their separation, that was so shattered and so shocking for me. But then in that time, as more information has come out about him, people have, you know, kind of posted anonymous things or, you know, sources have spoken about him online. My whole view of that relationship as a whole has changed. Like, it's not even just that my view of him has changed. It's that like, I clearly had this idea of their relationship and their marriage and their family that wasn't even true. Exactly. We were living in some, which I'm sure happens all the time. And that's like, no, I like them both. I just think that what we were envisioning, but there's a part of me that feels like she didn't know either. Yeah. Like, I think I, this is, I swear to you, this is not any sort of like yeah, I've seen the anonymous sources that have posted things, but that's it. I just like get this sense. I don't know. There's just something going on there. Also, I can't, I can't help but remember it was like, I think it was March, 2017 when he just didn't know that Twitter likes were public and just like went on that. It's like, he just liked so much rope bonded shit, which by the way, zero kink shaming here into it. Like do that. Love that for you. Do it. But like, that's also pretty hilarious. And I have that in the back of my mind of like, he just wants to do these wild things maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That is so funny. You're right. Is that, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> also, that's just going back to that first one, I guess Sunday and Jacob Elordi aren't together anymore. Yeah. That's pretty upsetting, huh? <laughs> no one's good enough for her. Like, yeah, I'm upset, but like, he wasn't good enough for her. No one's good enough for her. God could come down to earth and ask for a hand in marriage. And I'd be like, I don't know. I don't think you're right for her. I don't think you're good enough. Do you think it's weird that there's a part of me that after watching the ASAP Rihanna video was like, ASAP and Zendaya? No one's, I mean, no one's good enough for Rihanna either. No one's good enough for Rihanna, Beyonce, and Zendaya. I know that Jay-Z and Beyonce are together. He's not good enough for her. I love them together. I've forgiven him. I've moved past a lot of things mainly when he wasn't as excited as he should have been about her fitting into that outfit at Coachella. 
I've moved past it. I've forgiven them. I love them together, but he's not good enough for her. No. Well, that's kind of, I think the reality that you have to come to when you are one of the few people in the world like that. It's kind of like, yeah, I just kind of know whoever I'm going to marry is not going to be at my level. Right. Exactly. It happens. Okay. Other couple, this I think is more confirmed than any of the other ones, which is that Minka Kelly and Trevor Noah have apparently been dating for several months. So there was a report that they've been getting more serious. She's been living with him in New York. As you guys know, or if not, just to give you a brief history, he previously dated Jordan Taylor from 2015 to 2017. And she previously dated Jesse Williams from Grey's Anatomy from 2017 to 2018. She also, of course, dated Derek Jeter and other people for both of them, but those were kind of like the most famous slash most recent. Julie, let me tell you, not to overuse this phrase, out of left fucking field. I can't believe that me and Minka Kelly have the same taste in men. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, not as much Trevor Noah, although I do love him, but Jesse Williams and Derek Jeter are like my top. Yeah, throw Bieber in there and you're set. Yeah. There are a lot of people I mean, there. <laughs> I mean, come on. She... Yeah, I, I don't even like what's what is there to say about this? I'm so into this couple. I got to tell you, I don't think the the Daily Show does Trevor justice. Like, I don't think it brings out his sex appeal because I've seen him multiple times at like, I don't know, Soho House or just at different like events. And he definitely gives off a different vibe when he's not in that Daily Show outfit and that scripted thing. Like he is much more kind of like I could definitely see how he's. Uh, has a bit of a sex appeal that isn't necessarily portrayed on the show. Oh yeah, I can see that. I, I really yeah. like them together. I, I just like wasn't expecting it at all. But it's, I think they're one of those couples where the lack of publicity surrounding the start of their relationship actually made it so much better to find out that they were dating. Yeah, for sure. So as you guys know, back in July, we reported on the really tragic passing of Broadway star Nick Cordero. I feel like most of you are familiar with his story, but basically he was diagnosed with COVID and it was just a really terrible battle. And his wife, Amanda Klutz, was posting constantly just prayers for him. Every day she would go live at 3 p.m. She would dance for him. It was like a really, really terrible yet also very special thing that was happening. And she is just like a light in this world. I don't know her personally, but I just so get that sense. And Phineas, Billie Eilish's brother, wrote this song called What They'll Say About Us. And he said that the song was inspired by Nick. And he said, quote, I was very closely following Nick Cordero's story on Instagram via his wife. And Nick and his wife were not people I'd ever met. I don't know them at all. I saw the headlines about his health just like everybody else did. I just became incredibly attached to his family that I've never met before. I kind of wrote the song as if you were singing to your loved one who was in a hospital bed while the world was protesting outside. I did make a point to keep the song fairly ambiguous because I know everybody's sort of going through different circumstances of the same things right now. Which like, just to like simplify what he just said, he literally was just as heartbroken as the rest of us when hearing about this, yet he happens to be a brilliant songwriter and could put those emotions into such a touching form. And Amanda went on her Instagram story and was, you know, so emotional, just saying like, I keep listening and I keep crying harder, but it's good tears. It's just the most beautiful song. And 
I don't know. I kind of can't imagine something more special than a Grammy winning songwriter being so touched by, uh, you know, my husband's life and death to, and not even know us and to write a song about that. Like, that's pretty remarkable. That's like a real, that is a, a part of humanity that we unfortunately do not see enough. And I can only imagine what that brought for her, the, the overwhelming emotion of sadness, yet happiness, and also kind of what a more profound way to honor her husband. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was incredible. Also to know that your story and your family's story has touched so many people that it inspired a song to be written by somebody who doesn't even know you. And also what I thought was so great was that she had posted the song on her Instagram story before ever finding out the meaning behind it. She had posted saying like the playing the song on repeat at Phineas and then later found out that it was written about her husband. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Like also, by the way, that's pretty incredible of Phineas that he doesn't make this like massive declaration. Like he just kind of did this silently and, and later informed her, but it's not like he had to say that when he released it. I don't know. I think I've always, you and I have always liked him ever since we watched him on Current Mood. I think yeah. he just has the real sense of softness to him. And the last line of the song is, and if you don't wake up, I'll know you try to. I wish you could see him. He looks just like you. About, oh my God, I just got the chills. About their son, Elvis, who's one years old. Wow. That's really amazing. That's really remarkable. Yeah. Really, really remarkable. There was actually a public tribute tonight on Broadway in Demand um, for Nick. And we just wanted to put this in. You can text Cordero to 41444 to make a donation to Save the Music Foundation in his honor because uh, one of those stories, I know it happened months ago. It, every single time we talk about it, I get, it's just really emotional. Yeah, yeah, I know. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. Moving on to the award ceremony, which is kind of short this week, but as you guys know, if there's not something worthy, we don't want to give it. So only funniest comment of the week, and it goes to Demi Lovato. This account, I'm 30 AF, posted a meme from Witty Idiot, Witty Idiot that said, oh, so you like me? Name three of my personality disorders, two of my prescribed medications, and the year I hit rock bottom. <laughs> Demi comments, well, the world can name one of those for me. <laughs> I love her. Self-awareness, sense of humor, ability to make light of a situation. I just fucking like her. Yeah, me too. I celebrate. Okay, briefly moving on to the Kardashian recap. Not that much to get into today, but a couple of things that I kind of want everybody's opinion on. So we saw a little bit of a preview of Courtney's birthday, and we also saw that Sophia Ritchie and Jaden Smith, 
had a quote, flirty beach day yesterday on Saturday. So I'm sure you guys saw the pictures. If not, just Google it. Daily Mail did a whole thing. They were together on the beach in Malibu. They then went to Nobu Malibu with Moises Iris and his girlfriend. Okay. They dated, Sophia Richie and Jaded dated back in 2012 when they were both 14. So like, you can't really count it. Kylie dated him around that same time. There's a very, very high chance that they're just friends and those pictures were just a little bit flirtatious. Like we know that they're in the same circle. I'm just saying it's not the craziest thing in the world if they were hooking up. And if so, what a hot and also powerful couple. Yeah. I I just don't think that they are. I think that this is like, I think Jaden is so touchy. Like, I think that's just the type of person he is. I think he's very affectionate and sweet based on everything that I've seen about him with all of his friends. Um, So when I saw this, I was like, yeah, I could understand why somebody would draw that conclusion, but I don't think so. But in the small chance that it is true, yeah, what a great couple. It'd be so interesting. But I just think they're like very, very good friends. I have no idea. But like, obviously I'd be into it. Yeah, of course. Also, so Kendall and Devin Booker, I guess are getting increasingly more serious. And they did a four-day trip to Idaho and they met Justin and Haley there, which Idaho I kind of equate, I've never personally been, but in my eyes, I equate it to Wyoming in terms of like celebrity getaway. Like it's not Amanjiri in Utah, but it seems kind of similar to the activities that the Kardashians do in in Wyoming. Kendall loves it there. Yeah. Apparently they've been staying together in Malibu, hanging out. I think her thing, and like a source said this, but it's true. We know this. She just likes to keep things private until there's really something to say. And even when there's something to say, she doesn't like to talk about it, which like selfishly, I wish that wasn't the case. But also, you know what? It's kind of a nice break from the fact that they share every aspect of their life, not complaining, but also like good for her. Yeah. I mean, I obviously get it. If I was her, I would keep it a secret too. She's always been the more secretive one out of her family. And I think specifically with relationships. And also, I think that if you're Kendall and you've kind of seen the way your family has been in relationships and the way the media has run with that and the way that people have formed opinions about that, I think that it has to be at this point just a little bit human nature for you to want to keep that to yourself. Oh, of course. It's kind of like you don't want to set yourself up for failure, especially when you don't even know. Like This is relatively new. Right. Definitely. Yeah. A trend that I've noticed, and you were the one who kind of pointed this out to me, or like I said it and then you you explained it, like they really do Devin Booker dirty when they post side-by-sides of them because they always choose pictures of him from like four years ago where to me, he's no Blake Griffin, but he's like an attractive guy, obviously. And the pictures that they post of him are just like so not his prime. Yeah, it's just weird. Like also Kendall Jenner is literally one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my life. Like the least you could do for whoever she's dating is to pick a good picture of them too. That's like the least you could do. Right. Exactly. And he's like, he's, he's hot. I mean, he's not to me, he's not like Blake, but he's hot. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention about anything? (laughs) About anything? (laughs) Like you can say a final beaver thought if you have one. No, I'm like excited to go watch it again before I go to bed. That's all. I don't. Yeah. What a, what a fucking music video. What a fucking time to be alive. What a time to be alive. I also should tell you guys on Wednesday, not Thursday, on Wednesday, we are dropping our Kardashian 
recap bonus show, which is the Breckenridge trip before next week's season 18 continuation. And Friday, Isabel and I will be doing the second episode of our Bravo show. Thank you to everybody who listened to that. It was like the most fun thing ever. And we're so excited and we really appreciate all the DMs. Okay, Jewel, should we call it a day? I I think a day, it's, it's midnight. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't even know what happened. I think I just blacked out. Did you? I definitely did. Yeah. But I had a great time. No, I had the best time. I wish you could see me. I'm sitting like hunched over so close to the computer, just so like engaged and involved. And I don't know why I feel like both of us just felt like we were giving our thesis presentation. Are you sweating? I'm a little bit sweating. Profusely. There's also no air conditioning in my mom's closet. They didn't put that in. I was really like, yeah. so much time in there that you should have put in an air conditioner. Yeah, I don't think I realized how um, hot it was. I don't, I've never spent this much <laughs> time here, but yeah. The bags seem okay, though, so that's okay. That's good. As long as they're not sweating. Yeah, no. Anyway, okay, we love you guys. Thank you if you got this far. I'm, I don't know. We were kind of long-winded today, but I guess we just had opinions. Um, we love you. Thanks for letting us do this. Thanks for listening and just for being the best. And we will see you guys on Wednesday. Wednesday.